Hi, this is your co-host Corbin. And I'm Alan. And this is your guide for director Joe Dante and Eric Goldberg's Looney Tunes Back in Action, the movie. That's right, I said the movie. Some places call it just Looney Tunes Back in Action. Others have titled it Looney Tunes Back in Action, the movie. Ah, that's a little meta. We're going to talk about that. We're not going to spoil anything just yet. But before we get into the making of the film, allow me to take you back to 2003 to remember the top movies released that year. They were Kill Bill Volume 1, The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, Finding Nemo, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, School of Rock, Elf, X-Men 2, Daredevil, Hulk, quite a few superhero movies were starting to come into their own, Mm -hmm. Bruce Almighty, Freaky Friday, Too Fast, Too Furious, The Italian Job, Brother Bear, and I could not go without mentioning Memories of Murder. Fantastic film. Yeah, so that was a pretty, pretty big year. Uh, for movies back in 2003, <laughs> Kill Bill, like you mentioned, Pirates of the mm-hmm. Caribbean, one, uh, of course, Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. Huge year for movies. Huge year. And I got to say, Alan, that list takes me back. Mm-hmm. I don't think I saw almost any of those movies in theaters, but I was probably too young. But years later, I would go see these movies on home video and... I mean, a lot of these movies people still love and remember today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) As for Looney Tunes back in action, uh, (laughs) we're going to talk about it. But from that year, we have reviewed Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. And at the end of this year, we will be reviewing The Matrix Reloaded and The Matrix Revolutions. If you'd like to reminisce more about the films of 03, then head over to letterbox.com and make sure to follow me and Alan over there. Links to our profiles are below. At the 75th Academy Awards, Best Picture went to Chicago. Well, Alan talked about this at the end of last week's review of Space Jam, but this film originally started as a sequel to Space Jam. There is a really in-depth article over at animatedreviews.com featuring an interview with Bob Camp, who worked on the Doomed sequel. We'll talk more about what we learned in that article, since it has more to do with the actual Space Jam 2 than this movie. We'll talk more about that next week when we review the new legacy. But the reason a sequel didn't happen was Michael Jordan wasn't interested, and apparently a producer lied about signing him onto the project. Oh. Yeah, it was uh, crazy. So you're not going to want to miss... Your Guide to Space Jam A New Legacy next week because you get to hear all the juicy details. So a few weeks after it went into pre-production, it was immediately canceled. It was just a quick, quick axe. Mm -hmm. Now, there were talks of getting Jackie Chan to do a spy jam or Jeff Gordon, who appears in this movie, to do a race jam. But those were both canceled and what we have here incorporates elements from both. Warner Brothers approached Joe Dante, who had worked with Steven Spielberg a lot. He did Gremlins 1 and 2, The Burbs, which I love. And he was coming off of Small Soldiers, which is a super fun movie that actually got a Blu-ray release not that long ago. His plan was to produce a biographical comedy with HBO called Termite Terrace, which would focus on cartoonist Chuck Jones's early years with Warner Brothers. The studio said, that sounds too old. Let's do something like Space Jam. He accepted the directorial role as a tribute to Jones, but that's where his choices came to an end. In an interview with Den of Geek, Dante said, There was no freedom. 
but animation director Eric Goldberg and I did what we could to preserve the characters in their classic state, which is the one area where I think the film succeeds. The longest year and a half of my life. By the way, the finished movie has a different beginning, middle, and end from the one I started out to make. Interesting. Yeah, so that should tell you a lot. Essentially, Dante, who is a very good director, by the way, didn't seem to have much creative control, and it sounds like the entire film was just completely taken out of his hands, and he was just like, do what we say. I was actually really surprised to read that interview. Yeah, because last time... um Last time Space Jam was, well, more or less Space Jam is centered around or started off as uh, building off of a few commercials that were filmed with Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what led into, you know, a movie being made was because of those commercials. And now that Jordan's out of the picture, uh, yeah, I wonder if the studio kind of wanted to have more control because... Uh, there's more risk, I guess, involved with, you know, making a sequel uh, without having, you know, their lead star like what they had before. So this was actually Jerry Goldsmith's last movie to compose for. He died. Yeah, he died shortly after it. And we just did a Jerry Goldsmith score, um, Air Force One. That's right. Yeah, that was a really stressful score for him to compose. So go ahead and check out our review for Air Force One. Just came out a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And you can hear how Goldsmith did that score like a month. Now, there were reports the film was actually supposed to come out in the summer, but it was ultimately released in November, possibly to tie in closer to Space Jam's seventh anniversary. So, as I mentioned earlier, Space Jam was released Friday, November 14th, 2003. That was 17 years ago. I would have been, when the movie came out, I would have been eight going on nine. Alan, you would have been, looks like, two months shy of eight years old. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember this movie at all, uh, at least not coming out. I know I watched it, but I definitely didn't see it in the theater. At least not to my knowledge. That was way (laughs) long time ago. So they did get the film an $80 million budget, exactly the same as Space Jam. Mm -hmm. Did it pay off? Well, it um, opened number five at the box office with $9.3 million. Ooh, that's not so good. Which is surprising because Space Jam did rather well in the box office. And we talked about that, how they were surprised about how good it did in the box office Mm -hmm. um so you would naturally assume that you know the sequel or if you want to call it that for this movie um would do you know if not that good at least somewhat close to it uh no uh so that was opening weekend what did it get domestically so domestically it only grossed 20.9 million okay so that's not even uh has even crossed the line from the first movie's opening weekend. Uh, Space nope. Jam 1 opened with $27.5 million. Uh, didn't yeah. even cross that. Yeah, you're right. And it's coming out like the day before the seventh anniversary of Space Jam, which right. opened at number one. And as you said, $27.5 million. This movie didn't even reach that domestically. Um, as for the foreign markets, 475 
which is almost a hundred million less. And then for a worldwide total of $68.5 million. Keep in mind, Space Jam grossed a quarter of a billion dollars. This movie did not even make back its budget at the box office. For all intents and purposes, this was a bomb at the box office. Yeah, this was a pretty bad flop. Again, it's surprising because the you know Space Jam one it was a pretty good, pretty huge success, uh, and then when they release the sequel, it does not do very good. That is surprising. Well, I think the I mean I think the entire reason Space Jam did so well. Go back and listen to our review of Space Jam so you can hear our full thoughts. But this doesn't have the star power of Michael Jordan, and neither does it have that curiosity factor of watching. Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan play basketball together. People mm-hmm. really hadn't seen something quite like that. I mean, they saw Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Cool World was a thing. This has Brendan Fraser. It has George of the Jungle. I mean, I don't know. I just don't think it had quite the appeal the other one did. And the reason they did want to rush um, a second one into production so quickly was because, like I said, this the first one made a quarter of a billion dollars. So, of right. course, they're going to capitalize off of that success. At this point, it's been seven years later, and there's no Michael Jordan. There's no real star power. People were just kind of like, eh? And, I mean, it seemed a little weird to not release this. I thought this probably would have done better in the summer. Instead, they release it, you know, at the tail end of November. I think people are just waiting for those December releases. Right. So you're probably questioning what beat this out at the box office. Why would this come in at number five, which is pretty bad? Well, Elf was in its second week and Mm. Elf was staying strong at number one, which is no surprise. Yeah, that's that's no surprise. This one's a little bit more of a surprise to me, honestly, is the 20th Century Fox Russell Crowe period piece, Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, opened at number two. Have you seen that, Alan? I have seen that. Um, I don't remember much from it, even though I I watched it no more than a couple (laughs) of years ago. I remember liking it. From what I remember, but I know that yeah. was pretty big at the Oscars that year too, wasn't it? Uh, did I think it did get some? I don't remember. I've owned that movie on Blu-ray forever, and I don't remember a thing about it. I need to revisit it, but that should say something that people wanted to see this old period piece and not Looney Tunes. They they yeah. just weren't taking their kids to go see it, right? I, so I did look it up. Uh, it was it won two Oscars, but was nominated for one, two, three, four five, six, seven, I think eight other awards, including Best Picture. So it was pretty big at the Oscars for 2004. Definitely was. And coming in at number three, actually knocked down from number one in its second week was The Matrix Revolutions, which we're going Mm. to be reviewing at the end of this year, right before Matrix 4 comes out. Of course, Disney has to mess up Warner Brothers plans once again with Brother Bear. Brother Bear came in at number four and then ultimately Looney Tunes in at number five. So it didn't go up them did not go up from there. It actually lost 54.8% of its gross from last week in its second week. It <laughs> all the way down at number eight now. Um, it was beat out by Universal Pictures, The Cat in the Hat, the Mike Myers movie, which is super weird. And I definitely wasn't allowed to watch that as a kid. And then 
Gothica came in at number two. I don't Gothica. I see it all over Netflix now. I actually started it the other day. Warner Brothers movie. Um, Robert Downey Jr., Halle Berry. It's kind of a big deal. Um, nobody just wanted to see Looney Tunes. And then, of course, you know, at this point, um, the third week was the Thanksgiving Day weekend. It came in at number 12. A lot of movies actually came out. Then um, Disney once again added The Haunted Mansion opened at number one. Oh, yeah. With Eddie Murphy. Yep. That was a huge movie. I definitely saw that one. Highly enjoyed it. It had to contend with Bad Santa, um, The Missing with Kate Blanchett and Tommy Lee Jones, if memory serves, and Timeline with Gerard Butler and Paul Walker. So all these movies were coming out Thanksgiving mm-hmm. Day weekend. Everybody was forgetting about Looney Tunes. Like I said, it it did absolutely horrible. I mean, over Thanksgiving Day weekend, it grossed $2 million. Yeah, that's not good. Nope. And then in its fourth week, it grossed half a million. And from there, uh, I don't want to twist the knife too much. It did absolutely horrible. And it, yeah. opened in more th- it, and it opened in more theaters than Space Jam. That should be noted as well. Right. So it's no wonder that we haven't seen, you know, anything until... Well, now <laughs> with a new legacy coming out, um, where we have the Looney Tunes, you know, on screen for anything. Uh, last time they were on screen for anything, at least when it comes to like a feature length movie, uh, <laughs> didn't do very good in the box office. Um, plus, I think this time around, now with the new one, they're you know in three D instead of in two D, um, mm-hmm. which is a bit more modern. So. This was around the time when 2D animation was starting to go out the door. We didn't see too much of that. In a few years, there would be basically no 2D animated movies in general. It would all be like Pixar and, uh, you know, the 3D DreamWorks movies and stuff like that in a, a few years from now. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, Brother Bear was coming towards an end there. That was one of the last ones. The one thing that gives me hope is the cinematographer for this movie is Dean Cundy who we know Dean Cundy is no slouch. He's did the cinematography for Jurassic Park, Back Mm -hmm. to the Future, Halloween, um, all of the Back to the Future movies, The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So if anything, I'm expecting this movie to look good. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I I am too. Um, And if my memory serves me correctly, uh, there were a lot more sequences with... 2D and 3D animation kind of interacting in in the world together than there was from Space Jam. Oh, yeah. It's been a long oh, time since I've seen this. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so we'll see if my memory holds up correctly. But that's what I remember. So as for the scores, what critics and audiences have thought it, it's a little bit of a tale of two cities, but it is kind of weird, actually. Okay. Letterboxd is sitting at a 2.8 which is down from Space Champs 3.2, which is bad, I would say. Mm-hmm. IMDb is bad also. Um, 5.7 down from a 6.4. That's pretty bad. Yeah. This is going to throw you off, Alan. A meta score of 64. Yeah. that That is weird. Why? I wonder why that is. Why do... I wonder what's up with critics liking this a lot more than audiences. Audiences are not very happy about it. Critics mm-hmm. seem to have a much... Uh, at least a bit more positive view on it. At least 
when it comes to Metascore. Yeah. What about Rotten Tomatoes? Rotten Tomatoes as well, 56%. That is still split, huh. but technically a majority of critics like this movie. Um, the Metascore for Space Jam was 59. Rotten Tomato critics was 43%. So okay. critics actually like this movie a lot more than Space Jam, believe it or not. Yeah. That is interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm that makes me kind of curious because, uh, you know, I usually tend to slide with the critics or at least understand their point of view. I'm curious now mm -hmm. if they like this more than Space Jam. Yeah. Now, um, Rotten Tomato audiences were split down the line at 50 percent. Okay. Um, which is down from Space Jam 63%. And then Cinema Score, um, people straight out of the theater gave this film a B, which is just a step down from an A minus, which Space Jam got. Yeah. B plus is still not bad, though. No. Um, and it's lower than usual, but it's still not bad. So, what this tells me is critics at the time thought this movie was okay to generally favorable, whereas mm -hmm. over time, audiences have seemingly kind of soured on this film as we can see reflected in letterboxd and imdb those have definitely come down over the years and yep. yeah that's what makes sense to me is critics liked it at first i mean they didn't love it or anything and today people just think it's pretty meh that's what i'm getting from it yep uh i think you're right yep and it just doesn't hold the nostalgia factor that space jam does just doesn't Right. Yeah. When you mention, you know, live action with Looney Tunes, of course, you're going to go for Space Jam. Looney Tunes back in action um, is not one that, you know, is brought up much in conversation. Uh, mm -hmm. If anything, it's like, wait, they made a second one, um, <laughs> if anything. So, yeah, there's a lot more nostalgia with uh, with Space Jam when it comes to the general public. Yeah, well, we're going to have to see how it plays out in our full review. Mm -hmm. Thanks for joining me, Alan. Sure thing. I will see you on Monday, and thank you listeners for coming along with me as I've been your guide to production and impact of this film. Now that you have your guide to Looney Tunes back in action, the movie, make sure to subscribe to the podcast for Alan and I's full review coming next Monday. And tune in the week after as we return to the court once again in Space Jam, A New Legacy. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.